I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 115 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvolution, or you can follow the show at Dynasty Debates. You can also drop me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, things you love, things you hate, things you want to hear more of on the show, feel free to let me know. Guys, we are covering the AFC North this week. It has been awesome. The episodes are fantastic. They're up there to go back and listen to if you haven't already. We're covering the Cleveland Browns today. Um, And again, just a very quick PSA. If you haven't been listening lately and you weren't aware, these episodes were pre-recorded back at the end of July. So if anything major has changed, any injuries, things like that, and that's probably why if you're wondering and you're hearing this in the middle of August, you're like, what's going on? That's why. I'm on holiday for three whole weeks in the US of A with my fam. So I pre-recorded these to make sure you guys got some sweet, sweet content, got ready for the season because I am psyched and I didn't want you to miss out. Let's get straight into it with special guest Dave Wright. The main event. Fight. Right, we are back again talking the AFC North. We've already covered off the Bengals and the Steelers. If you missed those episodes, go back and check them out. Certainly well worth your time. I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Wright, at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. Give him a follow. Check out his Patreon and all his good work over at DLF. Dave, we're talking Cleveland Browns. Are you excited to talk Cleveland Browns or are you scared? You know, it's probably one of the most crazy teams to talk about this whole offseason. Yeah, so I'm excited. I mean, every day talking with you, fantasy football, which I've already enjoyed the last two episodes. So yeah, I'm excited. Why wouldn't I be? Exactly. I like it. I love to hear it. That is that is the right answer. Absolutely nailed it. So again, if you haven't been following along, divisional breakdowns, we're talking each team. Each team is an episode. So if you want to know about the Cleveland Browns, you're on the right episode. We're going to give you a little background of last year, just a reminder of how the season went. Any major changes, which spoiler alert, there's a lot of major changes in the Browns. If you didn't know, and then we're just going to try and give you a little bit of a, a roadmap for 2022, what we think could happen for the team, how we see the team, you know, potentially playing out. And then also just highlight a couple of potential buys or sells or stashes for the team, for your rosters, getting ready for football, which is right around the corner. So the Cleveland Browns finished last year, eight and nine, third in the division. They had a pretty disappointing year. Um, I know Baker Mayfield played through a lot of injuries. There was just a lot of upheaval, a lot of uh, disappointment, you know, considering how well they'd done the year before. Now, the coaching staff has basically stayed intact. Head coach Kevin Stefanski, OC Alex Van Pelt, they're still there. Nothing major has moved. Obviously, there's some changes in the background and some of the more minor roles. They did release Jarvis Landry, JC Treader, and Austin Hooper, just trying to make some moves with the cap. They signed Jakeem Grant to a three-year, $10 million deal. They traded for Amari Cooper so to start revamping their receiver core, um, traded him very cheaply. I believe it was like a sixth round pick or something like that. 
that. So I, I found that very strange that they were able to get him so cheaply because he is a very talented receiver. Now, here's the big one that we've all known about. We've all been talking about. We're all scratching our heads about. And I think most of us are probably disappointed about. Um, they did trade three firsts plus um, there was a couple of seconds and fourths and stuff like that thrown in for Deshaun Watson um, and then turned around and gave him a five-year fully guaranteed contract worth around 230 million dollars which is insanity even if Deshaun wasn't Watson wasn't allegedly a scumbag um, they've also signed Jacoby Brissett to a one-year 4.65 million dollar deal they traded Case Keenum to Buffalo so they no longer have Case he is no longer on the case. Um, they In the draft then as well, they continue to try and revamp the offense a little bit. They did spend a third round draft pick on David Bell out of Purdue, who I believe analytics guys love. Jerome Ford in round five um, out of Cincinnati, the running back, and Mike Woods in round six wide receiver. Another bit of news worth noting, I think is very um, impactful, is David Njoku signed a four-year, $56.75 million contract extension. They did re-sign to Ernest Johnson as well to a one-year, $1.2 million deal. And then last but not least, certainly another cog um, in this crazy machine, they traded previous number one overall pick Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers for basically a bag of chips. Um, it's a wild story. I mean, there's literally so much to unpack here. I'm really curious, Dave, uh, what is in that genius brain of yours? What's going on here about the Cleveland Browns? How are you feeling about them? What's your vibe going into 2022? I mean, gosh, again, you're, you're really setting me up to fail here. This, these genius and smart comments, man, I'm really uh, delivering under the rate. Like I'm not living up to it here, but I think the big thing that kind of stumps out to me is that they added another running back through the draft and they re-signed Dearness Johnson. I think it was a restricted UDFA or restricted tender or whatever it was, if I remember correctly. But they have they go four deep at running back here and Kareem Hunt's coming back, hopefully healthy for the whole season. So I think it's just another, they've invested in that running back and I think it's going to be another running back centric offense, especially if Deshaun Watson doesn't play the year, only plays half the year or misses six games, they're going to be relying on the running backs. Yeah, I think that is a fair assumption. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Just to kind of back that up, I'm going to dive into some of the stats. So what we're doing with these breakdowns, if you haven't listened to the other ones, is we just talk about some of the kind of more advanced statistics that are looking at how the offense performed last year. So we can kind of look and try and project a little bit into 2022. What can we expect from them? When we're looking at sort of how the play, how, how the Browns did last year in regards to sort of the underlying stats to see how efficient they were, what what they did well, what they maybe struggled in, and then try and kind of project that forward. Um, we can see that they were 26th in pace of play, so they were very, very slow, very plodding. Um, certainly, bottom near, you know, bottom third of the league. That doesn't surprise me, considering the type of team they are, how they're built as a team. Now, when we're talking DVOA, which is something I like to look at every year, um, when I'm kind of projecting forward and looking at how the offense has been in the past, DVOA is just simply defensive adjusted vault um, value over average it means that some really smart people looked at all the plays all the games the entire season and they said based on the situations this team found themselves in this the team they were playing the game script this is what we would expect as average this is how well they performed above it or below it so basically you can look at that and rank the teams and just see how efficient were they and dvoa is really great because it includes things like how many points they scored and stuff like that because ultimately that's how 
valuable your team actually is, is when they're scoring points, winning games. Surprisingly, the Browns were 14th in DVOA, which is really good considering the record doesn't reflect that really. Um, and the fact that how many struggles they had and how disappointed they were, I, be, I believe, in their overall outcome. And, you know, hence the stuff with Baker Mayfield, things like that. I guess to the point, they were ninth in 2020. So it was a downgrade. So they were closer to middle of the pack last year, whereas they were a top 10 offense in DVOA the year before. So when we look at then how they actually performed in their run and their passing success rates to see how they made their money. Um, just again, to quantify that a play would be considered successful when it gains at least 40% of yards to go on a first down or 60, 60% of yards to go on a second down and a hundred percent of yards to go on third or fourth down. So last year, bearing in mind a lot of injuries, you know, uh, Kareem Hunt went down for a long period of time. Baker Mayfield was beat up. It was certainly less than ideal for them. They were only 49% successful in the run game, which was 16th. So very middle of the pack, which, you know, with their offensive line that they had with the running backs that they had, you would have expected more. But again, there was a lot of injuries, a lot of, um, a lot of extenuating circumstances. And with the passing game, they were 45% successful in the passing game, which was 19th. So again, very sort of middle of the pack, um, combined 47 percent for a total success rate which was 16th so for me i feel like they actually weren't that bad they were just sort of average they were average in the nfl and i think that considering how well they'd done the year before um how well they'd performed getting to the playoffs beating the steelers in the playoffs being so close to beating the chiefs even um i think they just got a little bit ahead of themselves they kind of expected themselves to be maybe super bowl contenders so then when they had just that sort of average season it was okay i think there was a lot of frustrations in the locker room a lot of things started boiling up now Interestingly as well, I know they've traded for Deshaun Watson. As Dave's already mentioned, we don't know what that looks like yet. They haven't made a decision. By the time this comes out, they may have made a decision, but we don't know if he's suspended for a whole year, a half a year, no time. We don't know. So a lot of this could change with Deshaun Watson at the helm because obviously he's a very different quarterback. And forget the off-field stuff. I certainly would say he's a more talented quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Um, as things stand last year, they were 27th in target volume. So they really didn't pass the ball an awful lot, only 475 times. And when we look at how the passes were distributed, they were 31st in their percentage of passes to the wide receiver at just over 50%. 50.1% of the passes went to the wide receiver position. So that's not ideal. 10th in passing percentage to the running back, which is really nice if you've got Kareem Hunt or even I suppose if you have Nick Chubb, though, unfortunately, he doesn't seem to get a lot of those passes. 21.1% of their attempts went to the running back and they were actually third highest in their pass attempts to the tight end position. So that actually surprised me a little bit. I knew they love their tight ends and, you know, in my head, I know they a lot of run a lot of tight, two tight end sets and things like that. I didn't quite realize they were third in their um, percentage to the tight ends at 28.8%. So. And again, to Dave's point, though, as well, with him expecting them to be a really run-heavy team, they were the ninth highest rush attempts last year, 485 rush attempts, and that's with Kareem Hunt being injured quite a lot, um, Nick Chubb even getting beat up at times. So they certainly love to run the ball, have a lot of two tight end sets. I think that's the philosophy. It'll be interesting to see how much of that changes if Deshaun Watson does play, what that looks like. Is that a Kevin Stefanski thing, or is that just them working to what they considered the strengths of their quarterback at the time with Baker Mayfield? Having talked through some of those stats, the DVOA, the pass success, the run success, the pie, small as it may be to be sliced, um, what are, does anything jump out to you there, Dave? And do you have any sort of definitive number that you would put as far as on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you throwing some Browns into your starting lineup for fantasy football this year? So, yeah, that's a loaded question. I think I think one a couple of things that really stood out to me was one, 
talking about how efficient they were despite perception. I think you said they were pretty average in their efficiency despite taking uh, felt like a step back last year and they they just weren't as good it they weren't necessarily as good as per, their perception wasn't or or how I forget exactly how you phrased it but what really shows to me is that Kevin Stefanski's offense is designed on efficiency. It has a slow pace of play, but with the two tight end offense, they like to run everything out of that same look. And what that does is it makes the the decisions easy for the quarterback and so you can make the efficient play. And that's how they and that's how they really are designed to do. So even if it's Jacoby Brissett, like last year, why people why he didn't do as well is because there was a terrible offensive line in Miami. This year, uh, like Brissett likes to hold on to the ball. If they have a very good offensive line in, in Cleveland, I think that should give him a little bit extra time to hold on the ball and make that efficient pass play. So often wide open player, not not just like wide, wide open, but bigger windows than what he had in the pen is, throughout his career. So I think those are kind of my big takeaways is that it's this is designed on, uh, on an offense on efficiency. And with all the uncertainty with Sean Watson and with all these kind of moving pieces, we've never seen Amari Cooper in Cleveland. We've never seen, you know, the way this offense is going to look. How confident are you? Like if you had to put a number on it. So if you're talking your your Nick Chubbs, your Kareem Hunts, your uh, David Njoku's, your Jacoby Brissett's, your all these guys, like how are you feeling, you know, if you're thinking about loading up your lineup with a bunch of Browns players? So I think I'm pretty confident in probably Nick Chubb. I'm pretty confident Nick Chubb. And then I'm confident nobody else that essentially maybe one other player that I'll talk about in a bit, but it's so I'll probably say like a three or a four not knowing what the situation is. Wow. That is rough. That is a, a scathing review from Dave right here. So I, I would say I'm a little bit higher than that. I certainly understand the trepidation. I would say I'm probably about like a five, you know, five and a half. I think there's a couple pieces that I'm pretty confident, pretty comfortable with. And then there's a lot of unknown. Um, certainly not some team that I'm looking to heavily invest in, but there's a couple little pieces that I'm pretty intrigued by when we're talking then sort of specific players. So let's put some, let's put some names to these ideas. So let's give some let's give the listeners some actionable advice here i'm going to throw it to you as the guest her here i believe um we have a a analytics darling that you want to talk about as a as your buy as your top top of your list buy for the cleveland browns is that right sure you can call me analytics darling i like to call it a football darling because he's really good at football so uh and it's i just want to say it's david bell he's my biggest buy on this team stop worshiping bar graphs people They'll hurt your fantasy teams, especially at the wide receiver position. You know, I, I know it looks really great when you send screenshots to your friends and your chats that, oh, look how, how high his athleticism is. And that must mean he's a really good wide receiver. Wide receiver athleticism predicts draft capital. It's a really good predictor of draft capital, but it's not does not predict success in the NFL. Age adjusted college production is the best thing that we have out. You know, there's a lot of great film people out there that are really good at predicting NFL success. So but I, I can't put a measure on that. But what we can measure is age adjusted prediction production. And David Bell was amazing at that at Purdue at age 18. He went and he took the NFL by, or the college football by storm as a dominant, dominant, dominant young 18 year old. And he didn't stop the rest of his college career for the, he's a young declare or an early declare three years of really dominant production from the wide receiver position. And all sign, and you know, I could get into the numbers, but you know, we don't want to hear numbers here. We want to just tell you that he was just trust me when I say he was extremely, extremely a, a pr productive wide receiver at a young age, which is indicative of talent. And all signs point to Cleveland being ecstatic they could get him in the third round. Everything you heard them saying is that people are like, oh, they might have reached on him there or whatever because of his athleticism and, and you know how he plays football and blah blah blah. But Cleveland 
who's a more of an they like to they're more of a numbers driven and a process oriented team were excited to have him and he most likely is going to he has a very good chance of being the wide receiver two week one in Cleveland. Now that doesn't is as sexy with with Jacoby Brissett, but still, if it, if just Deshaun Watson plays more than we think this season, I get really excited about having Deshaun Watson's wide receiver two in in an offense because Deshaun Watson, everything we can say about him off the field, I have plenty to say, and it's none of it's good. But when it's on the football field, he is a Patrick Mahomes level talent. And I don't say that lightly because I, I really mean he is that good. People, people might have forgotten that, but that's how good of a player he is. Um, he, David Bell is my third most. He's tied for third most my rostered players in Dynasty. Uh, I drafted him in SFB 12. He's my wide receiver 41. That's 22 spots higher than DLF's wide receiver 63 ranking. He, he, the opportunity's there. The college production is there. And he's incredibly affordable. He's a buy. Like, I don't know how else it doesn't make him a buy unless you really just say, oh, if we were going to buy that can't separate that he can't, and he isn't fast enough. Sure. Go with that. But I'll, I'll take the production over that any day of the week. Well, because I love and respect Dave, I will not argue with him too much here um, about David Bell. I was not a big fan, but again, I don't as focus on the numbers and things like that as he would i more look at the film um but again we'll not we'll not split hairs he's certainly a value at this stage it's not going to cost you a lot to take a gamble on him and if he could and if he is as good as dave says then you're going to get a massive return on your investment um but i mean big surprise here you're telling us that you know big analytics is the ones that drafted him so you know i think we uh we can all agree here that it's the analytics community is just trying to pull one over on us pull a fast one over on us convince us of things that we know are not true it really worked too to atwell <laughs> oh self-burn those are rare um, oh, that's, i can burn myself all day long <laughs> yeah yeah no i we all miss we all miss um i was a big lavisca chenault fan so you know i'll take my lumps as well i uh for me my my one of my i'll give you a two pack of buys here because there's a couple of guys that i'm really intrigued by and i think they're priced very nicely for what they could add to your squad now again we've already touched on it in previous episodes dave and i both of us, I think, are fairly similar in that way we build our dynasty rosters. We don't go running back heavy. We don't have a lot of young stud running backs because they get injured and then you've just lost so much value. So we'll look, a lot of times, you know, I'll come out of a startup or I'll be in a team and I'll have some really good quarterbacks if it's a super flex and I'll have some really good wide receivers, maybe some really good tight ends, be a little bit thin at running back. If I'm a little bit thin at running back, Kareem Hunt for me is a massive buy. Um, I, I think that he's just so undervalued for what he is and what he does. He's RB32 at the moment in sleeper super flex 80 startup so again sleeper is my preferred fantasy platform of choice it's not saying it's a certain type of adp so i don't want anybody to hear what i'm not saying it's just simply saying sleeper it could say yahoo it could say espn but i'm saying sleeper Superflex ADP average draft position for a dynasty startup cream hunt comes in at rb32 i think that's crazy talk i mean Kareem Hunt, first and foremost, he's only 26 years old. He missed some time, not through injury, but just through suspensions and things like that in the past. So he doesn't have as much tread on the tires. He's been an elite producer whenever he has seen the field. Even last year, he got injured last year, but he doesn't get injured every year. But last year, before he got injured, in the first six weeks of the season, he was actually RB9 
um, in PPR leagues. So he's an absolute stud. He is a great pass catcher. We've already talked about how this team wants to be run heavy. So either he's going to be on the field with Nick Chubb an awful lot. If jo- Jacoby Brissett's there, he'll probably be getting some checkdowns. Um, even if he gets traded, that doesn't bother me because, again, he's just been successful. He was successful at Kansas City. He's been successful at Cleveland. I think he anywhere he goes, he's a very talented running back. I do. I mean, looking again, I've been looking at a lot of PFF grades, do some research for seeing how the correlate. He's been a top 12 PFF running back many years in his career. Um, he's very good at what he does. And again, at RB32 kind of price range, I mean, he's literally he he's as cheap as you know a lot of these guys who are just backups who have very little standalone value themselves. Um, the other guy that I will throw out there as well, we already touched on a little bit with the contract extension is David Njoku. Um, David Njoku is one of those guys who you know is like now a post hype sleeper. I think he came in and just set the world on fire. He was super athletic, which we want to see in our tight ends. He had a great rookie year. Then he just kind of fell off. He was injured for a while, uh, hit or miss. He never created a great you know kind of connection with Baker Mayfield. Um, but he's coming in at tight end 19 in startups. So again, like a low end tight end two, he just got paid an awful lot of money. Um, he, they got rid of Austin Hooper. They don't really have any other stud tight ends. And again, things could change with Deshaun Watson. We're not sure, but this specific, um, scheme, the way that the, the team is run, we just talked about it. They have the third highest target percentage to tight ends. Almost 30% of the targets are going to the tight end. So even if that comes down and it's only 20%, but there's probably going to be a bigger pie. If Deshaun Watson is there, he's probably going to want to throw it more than 485 times in a season. So those could balance out. I think there's a lot of upside there. I think he could easily have a top 12 tight end season this year with the volume that he's probably going to get. And probably what is still going to be a very solid offense. So at tight end 19 numbers, I think that's a real steal. Um, but what about a good buy. Who's somebody that you're looking to get off the roster, Dave? Who's somebody that you're like not interested in having around anymore? So my goodbye again, I guess I've just been a little hot takey. I must be the dynasty of Bates. I, I thought I was going to come here. We're going to throw some, you know, throw some punches here. And so I thought I was going to get a little feisty here and it's Nick Chubb, but I traded him straight up this off season in a points per carry league, uh, which really values running backs and especially a Nick Chubb type running back. I trade him straight up for T Higgins and everyone in the, like the chat kind of gasped. We're like, Oh my God. Uh, uh, and it's just mostly because one, it's an age thing. He's going to be turning 27 at the end of the season. I'm a big, I'm a big believer in the dynasty or the running back age curve. Now there has been a lot of talk recently that there's the age curve might be a little bit of a myth because it's more about that comes in cycles. It's more about how good the running backs are. So you have certain classes that are really good and those classes, those running backs will play later in their career. And you just haven't had very good classes that have reached that age yet. So I understand that could be an argument, but I, I still kind of try to fade even if even if if we find that this running back class does play like a Nick Chubb can play really well until he's 28, 29, 30, his value still will decrease because of perception. And also what happens if he's injured? You could really see that high value. He's like value is the RB11 right now, I think, in DLF ADP. If he gets injured, he blow, blows out a knee and he loses a season. That is going when I, he's probably he might fall at the top 24. That's just what happens when you have older players, even wide receivers, when they're valued highly and they lose that supposed to be that really productive season, you can see their their value tank. Now, in my opinion, now that being said, I think Nick Chubb is one of the most everyone will tell you he's one of the most talented pure running backs in the NFL. And I think for me, he's one of the biggest what ifs that I've experienced in fantasy career. I got him everywhere in rookie drafts. I thought he was really well, like a really great player. And he had an amazing combination of uh, size, speed, and vision. He actually demonstrated some pass catching ability early on in one of those seasons early on. But then they just, they, then they brought in Kareem Hunt. 
And even when Kareem Hunt was injured last year, they just brought in Dearness Johnson and Nick Chubb's role stayed the same. And that just was like heart and soul crushing. They just didn't like, and that was the ideal situation for Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt goes down. You never wait for an injury. But if when it does happen, we expect a player of Nick Chubb's talent just to get the, ent- the lion's share of the workload. And it didn't happen. And it just, that was just, that was a gut punch, a gut punch. And, uh, and then what that ultimately means is upside is capped as on in PPR. He just, he will never be a top, unless you're going to, he's going to have one of those monster TD seasons. He's just not going to give you the value. Like he, I don't think he's ever going to tell Yeah. He can, might finish as RB nine, 10, 11 in points per game or in overall in PPR. But if you look at dynasty champions, they RB nine, 10, 11 aren't real. Aren't really winning you the championships. Usually, the strength of your wide receivers, your high end QBs, your high end running backs, your high end tight ends, your late, your RB twos, your late round RB, or your late RB ones are doing it for you. So that's why Nick chose my my sub just because he's valued. And I just want to say, I think he's a phenomenal player. I really like him as a person, as a player. Uh, and it just, <laughs> I really do. I, it's sad because, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I said, one of the what ifs. So no, absolutely. I, 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 I. I'm really happy that you're doing this because I felt like I was becoming this like broken record. Like basically every sell, every goodbye was just like the running back. It was always the running back because I am a massive believer in, um, you know, when we talked about Titans, I was sell Derrick Henry. You know, when we talked about, I, I I'm right there with you. So I'm glad you're doing that. You're taking the heat, but um, yeah. So everyone at Dave and just tell him how silly he is for wanting to sell Nick Chubb, even though I would have said it if he didn't um, for me, it's send, sort of send those to my give, wife. She believes she'll agree with you guys. Send those tweet my wife and she'll agree with you guys. <laughs> I'm going to give you a two pack here of guys to get rid of. For me, it would be Jacoby Brissett. And that's assuming that Deshaun Watson is suspended. Um, there'll be people who are desperate. Maybe it'll be even the Deshaun Watson manager who need a starting quarterback. Possibly he's QB 43. He's not very valuable, but again, it's just because we know who Brissett is at this stage. I don't think there's any chance that he becomes like a dude and takes over and is awesome and, and just, you know, locks down the starting gig. We know it certainly won't happen in Cleveland because of that monster contract but i think if you can get some value for him any value that you're going to get from him is certainly better than just letting him sit on your roster and be kind of worthless so that would be somebody an easy kind of sell for me personally uh but i also throw in there amari cooper um and it is just because it's unknown we don't know what it's going to be like here we've already talked about the pie being pretty small to be you know to begin with Yes, in theory, he should be getting the monster's share of that work, and that's great. But he is a 28 year old wide receiver. He's been fairly inconsistent at times in his career, anyways. It's not like he's a perennial top 10 wide receiver. Um, you know, looking back over the last couple of years, he finishes, you know, 27, you know, uh, wide receiver 27 in PPR last year. Very disappointing for such a high powered Dallas offense. Um, you know, wide receiver 15 the year before that, wide receiver 10, 19. 34 you know what i mean so it's even at best he was sort of a wide receiver mid wide receiver two usually which was very and very boomer bust at that he would have a couple of like 35 40 point games and then a lot of like eight point games 10 point games for you so i think if anybody is excited so say for example the news comes out that you know like deshaun watson's only going to be suspended half a season or something like that and you've got some really excited people if you can get like a 23 first for him or something like that i would be happy enough to trade him away for that just based on the fact that he's 28 he'll be 29 um next year he's getting older he's he's a good wide receiver but 
if you can cash out or if you can get like a younger, more up and coming player and some draft capital, I would be fine doing that. I don't think you have to, but it's not something I'm just not overly excited um, about the future. I certainly wouldn't want to like be building around him as my wide receiver one or two on a roster. So if you're in a position where you can cash out and get some good value on him, I would be happy enough to do so. Um, But then it's interesting because we have agreed here on our sneaky stash. So I'll let Dave take the lead here. Who is our sneaky stash and what do you like about him? Yeah, really quickly. It's Jerome Ford and, and it's, it's pretty simple. It's the, my recipe for all my sneaky stashes. He's an affordable running back and he has a low key potential three down profile. I think, I don't think he has like a, I don't think it's like a true, like a, a screaming three down or like a three down workhorse profile, but he has some catching ability and he can handle the work a workload. So uh, rumors are that this could be Hunt's last season, and you've heard some speculation that he could even be traded during training camp. Uh, I, I find that a little bit unlikely now. The more and more we get closer to the season, but still, that's rumors are rumors, and it made it made this uh, point a little bit easier to say. So, yeah, I, I like it. I mean, and again, it's so cheap. I mean, he's RB seventy six at the minute on on sleepers uh, sleepers superflex ADP. So that means he's probably on your waiver wires if you don't have a particularly sharp league. Um, but even if you do, you can probably get him fairly reasonably. But there you have it. There we have talked Cleveland Browns. There was an awful lot to get through, so it might be a little bit longer of an episode. But I think it's worth it because there's a lot to unpack. We need to try and make some sense of it. What do you have for us as far as a Browns like bold predict? Dave, I know you're a man of who loves his bold predictions. What do you got for us for the Browns for 2022? Yeah, this is pretty easy. It's David Bell's the rookie wide receiver one in fancy points. I think he has the opportunity, especially if, if it's bold, if, if John Watson plays more, he could very easily be the rookie wide receiver one. That is very, very, very bold. Yeah, yo, I, no, uh, and it's not he's not being drafted that way. And yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but I, Hey, I was told to be bold. So here we go. I look forward to like, if that happens, I look forward to like clipping that sound clip and being like, <laughs> you know, hey, you heard it here on dynasty debates. Um, and then I'm going to like record a little thing where I totally agree with you. And then we're going to like put that up together and be like, this is brilliant. We're geniuses. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think for me, um, it's it's tough, man. It's really tough to have a bold prediction that's positive. I think the only one I can think of is I'm going to say um, I, I do think David Njoku finishes as a top 12 tight end this year just based on opportunity and um, his athletic profile and things like that. So I'll say he's, he finishes as a top 12 tight end this year. Um, that's about as bold as I can get. I think my realistic uh, prediction is probably that they finish last in the division <laughs> and they don't make the playoffs, but I don't want to be too negative. So there you have it, folks. Cleveland Browns, hopefully you enjoyed that. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you have any bold predictions you can catch us on twitter and make sure and join us tomorrow because we're talking the baltimore ravens i drive zero rb in dynasty pass up a young receiver nah i couldn't be me my fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven not sure if i'm dead because i think this is heaven now forget what he said and listen to me what you really want to do is stack those rbs just let me be frank those hobbies on your roster is money in the bank one says it's awful the other says it's great it's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate